Hello and welcome to another episode of Emerging Excellence. I'm your co-host Felicity Fury and CEO of We Aspire. Today we've got something a little bit different. We've got the fantastic Brett Bassett here co-hosting with me, CEO of QLead, and we have a special guest who I actually feel a bit nervous about having on the podcast, Brett. And someone asked me recently, when you do public speaking, who do you feel most nervous about when they're in the room? And I have to say, it is my amazing husband, Michael Fury, who is also one of the co-founders of We Aspire. And he's guest appearing with us today. Special request from Brett, but also because we are going to be doing a retrospective of our emerging leader programs. We've run a number now, and we thought it's a good time to hit the pause button, look back, reflect, and discuss tips, tricks, and hacks. So welcome, Brett. Great to have you again. Hey, Felicity, how are you going? And Big Michael, look at him stretching down for us in front of the camera and everything. <laughs> looking good, looking good. It's good to see you, Michael. That's how we should introduce you. Welcome, Big Michael. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you do, do realise that, that it is a podcast, but there's a video camera as well, right? So you've just got to keep that in the back of your mind, mate. You're stretching out. <laughs> We might put well, that into how to stretch few, as part of an emerging leaders program. There are a few people in life I'm actually taller than, so it's um, but my wife being one of them, which I'm uh, on end, but it's certainly good to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Well, where should we start? There's a number of programs that we've been running, we've been learning a lot, we've been taking a deep, deep dive. We work with hundreds of leaders now, and so we wanted to think about you know what's worked well, what could we improve. Brett, do you want to kick us off with sure. the first question? Why don't, I, why don't we start for our listeners and people who might be watching with a fundamental, simple question. What is an emerging leaders program? It's a good question. Simple but challenging. I think for me it is for the first-time leader, that's how we think about it. There's You can be emerging into leadership at different levels of your career and it could be going into an executive leadership role, middle management. But for us, how we think about it is that transition from a technical leader stepping into that so a technical person stepping into that first time leader role and how do you help train and develop them to get to that next stage what would you say michael yeah look i think it if we do anything in an emerging leader program i think what anyone should focus on is actually demystifying leadership because my number one takeaway from running multiple of these is that even if you ask highly proficient leaders they often struggle to define leadership. They don't know what it is. They call it an experience. They call it a whole bunch of stuff. And why that's so important is if you're trying to be something and you can't define it and don't know what it is, can't even put some like parameters around it, good luck trying to get there. Good luck trying to be, a you know, if you take a running example, imagine if you couldn't quantify what running was. You know, I'd be like, oh, well, it's just kind of you get out of breath and you kind of get a bit sweaty, like, and you do this thing as you move down the road, like you'd be like you'd have no access to being a runner. And I think that's a massive uh, big takeaway for me this year, just seeing that it's a real common issue, regardless of people, experience, background, whatever. They find leadership a really intangible thing, which often gets kind of watered down to, oh, it's just where people win get inspired by you right mm. and i think it's if if you don't get a chance to unpack this stuff you you really do think you just got to be an inspiring person all the time mm. <laughs> and i think that's um, so um if, if, my, if, if we start with that conversation just there as a starting point so i've run emerging leaders programs as part of employee value propositions 
I've been involved in emerging leaders programs. I've been on an emerging leaders program. I guess the one starting question that I would have about what you've seen that works well in the programs you've run or participated in, am I right in saying you've got to have a good understanding about the objective of the program? Yeah, yes and no. So I think we were going to touch on this as one of the, the biggest reflections is that I think we've got stuck and a lot of companies have got stuck in they actually think about development in the wrong way. Like I think we've been trained and this might be just be where you like how you typically run a program is you think about it like a 12 week thing, right? Yeah. Like leadership development can be done in 12 weeks. And and I'm sure it kind of stems back to our education is, you know, you go to university, you study engineering for four years, and then by the end, you're an engineer. Like it just, I think in my experience is that it, having that mentality that you've got, a, you do a program and at the end you are something is fundamentally the wrong mentality to have. And if anything, a an emerging leader program should act as a catalyst for what leadership really is, which is an ongoing self-discovery and self-reflection on how can you be a better leader. And it's this climbing a mountain of no top. You know, you literally will never be a leader. Like you never, you never, you might have the role of being a CEO like yourself, Brett, but you never actually stop becoming a better leader. I think it's and that that's fundamentally where we've seen companies which go into thinking about development as a I'm going to do a program, tick the box, great, we'll come back next year. Hopefully, we'll get some better leaders out of this program is probably the biggest missed opportunity and not seeing as a we're going to actively focus on developing leaders ongoingly and create yeah. the environment for that and just seeing a program as the as the game changer it just doesn't work does it mm. that's been the biggest shift i think for us in the most recent programs we've delivered is shifting from we're delivering a program that is set by these time boundaries and i think me trained as a project manager and engineer you go here's the project the project's been delivered but actually it's this ongoing mindset and culture of development and we've seen a missing a lot of the time in organizations is that there's not that culture for development in the participants so i think a lot of what we do is yeah sure there is you know sessions that we run and, and people come to participate in a program but it absolutely doesn't end there and i think how you said it michael is a catalyst is mm. a really powerful way to think about it. It's a catalyst in creating that development culture where feedback is is normal, feedback is you know received openly, it's ongoing culture of feedback, ongoing culture of reflection, taking initiative, stepping into leadership, asking questions. And that's what we see that emerging leaders programs need to be rather than just the program. Right. So I like that I like the use of that word catalyst as well. So as you were both talking about the word catalyst, it's sort of led me to my next question, which is an emerging leaders program, obviously you need to have participants who are going to be the emerging leaders. So what are your thoughts, team, on how people should first come into an emerging leaders program? So there's a couple of options. They can apply, they can be put on by their by their organisation, etc. Tell me what, in your experience, you've seen work well, why it's worked well versus what hasn't worked well. I feel like the application one works well because people have thought about why they want to do it and they're documenting and reflecting from the very beginning around what are, what are their motives. And I think it can work well when you tap people on the shoulder 
to be a part of the program, but you need that buy-in and motivation. And I feel like there's a whole conversation around biases around how people are chosen as well, the tapping on the shoulder. But we've had clients share with us recently, oh, I didn't expect that person to apply. Now they're visible. Now they're on the radar. So I think even if people apply for a program and don't get in, they're still getting some of those benefits of the Emerging Leader Program, like the visibility. But I think it creates a different buy-in. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, I think it's it's probably I'm definitely in the camp that an application is a powerful way to do it because it creates buy-in from the person as, as you mentioned. The other piece to it though is that there are people who genuinely don't think they're good leaders because the leaders in their organizations look a certain way. You know, so if you think about someone who's outgoing, really chatty, you know, got no worries or kind of finds it easy to talk in front of the public or in in a, in a public domain or in front of a group often they are said to have leadership characteristics. Whereas, actually, there are some amazing, really incredible leaders who are petrified of public speaking, quiet, hardly talk, but when they do talk, far out. It's so insightful. And I think that's probably the downside to quote-unquote application process, is that you you might miss those nuggets and you might overlook those types of people because... They don't look and feel like a traditional, quote-unquote, leader, poster-child leader. And and like you said, that the bias piece is really tricky to navigate because when if you're, a, you know, we, we talk to HR and, and CEOs who are kind of trying to, or executives trying to pick these people, often they can sometimes see that and sometimes can't as well, but sometimes they do see it. The other person's like, what are you talking about? I'm obviously not a leader. And you're like, well, maybe you are. And so... I think there's real trials and tribulations to both. I think whichever way you approach it, having someone put their foot in the ring, and I think one of the CEOs that you in your network put it really, really well, any emerging leader program is a partnership. The mm. company is doing their bit, but if the if the participant or the employee doesn't come to the party, man, you, you got a like you got a nightmare there. Mm. And it's gotta be almost like it's got to be 100% from either side. It's not like the company has to do 80% and then the other person just does 20%. It's got to be like, okay, I'm committing on both sides and let's roll. Because if you don't, I think we've seen examples this year in particular where we've had real challenges with actual people engaging with the program and turning up. And I think there was a lack of, I don't know, really maybe enrollment or getting people on board with the the concept of it. Perception of them as a leader where they didn't feel like they were ready or that they, I don't know, deserve to be there, but they didn't see themselves a leader, which is so interesting because the leadership of this organisation said, absolutely, you need to be here, you've been tapped on the shoulder. But it was interesting because even that wasn't enough for some people to go, yeah, I should be here. So, and yeah. Isn't that interesting? It's it sort of it gets back to that conversation we had before about what, you know, what is an emerging leaders program? Michael, you talked about, you know, it's it's that almost defining what leadership is and that will change, et cetera, et cetera. It's the catalyst conversation. So as you were talking there, the thing that sort of came to me was, and Michael, you made mention of this partnership piece. You've got to partner really early before the program starts to identify the potential leaders yet, to engage with them. And I think what I'm hearing in the feedback is to actually see, are you interested? Do you want to be a part of this rather than just thrusting somebody into it? Am I hearing that right? Yeah, I'd also say if you're if you're an executive, you could view in this emerging leader program as a strategic objective to fundamentally nurture and develop qualities in your team which are going to 
lead to higher levels of productivity, more engaged staff, and also a way to highlight that leadership qualities are where we are going with this company. Because part of one of the, you know, we do have some of the content in the programs. One of them is around looking at the financials and we drag out the annual report of the companies that they're part of. And probably about 20% of the people in these programs have ever touched the annual report. And it's, I think, just them engaging with it, going, oh, wow, that's interesting. And then getting, you know, going through and seeing it's not rocket science. The conversations which actually start to happen inside of the company with that and the broad understanding and the employee going from, how does your mentor put it? It's like that us and them piece. Mm -hmm. Whereas what you need from your leaders is actually to have an appreciation and a broader understanding outside of just their job. And really an emerging leader program is about that. It's about helping them or igniting that and kind of changing the view of that person that being a leader at, at, at X organization is not just about getting my job done. It's actually thinking about the broader strategic objectives of the organization, what we're trying to do, what's the CEO, what's the main intent there, what's the executive, what are the outside external pressures, how are we competing with other assets, et cetera, et cetera. It's that much broader view, which then has that person change and be more proactive. And also they need, quote unquote, less direction because they kind of know that, oh, well, we're rowing the ship this way. And so I'm not sure if that answers your question, Brett, but I think we often overlook, we, again, we compartmentalize an emerging leader program into like a an initiative, right? Mm. It's an HR mm. thing. It's a box to tick. It's, we've got to do it for retention purposes. I actually think if you do it right, you've got a bunch of people who are, you know, leaders in your organization or wanting to be leaders in an organization. And there's a chance to kind of put them up as an example to demonstrate leadership is important here. We're not going to just be an organization which is just going to manage and actually they could be a real catalyst for a conversation in the company and, and a cultural change piece yeah so it's almost like the succession planning piece right michael you made mention about the strategic view that a ceo might take in respect of an emerging leaders program i mean at a at, a, at an organization that i used work at we, we developed an emerging leaders program and we started to see some people on that program who were you know relatively junior staff go through the ranks and we asked the question, why is it that you think that this is, you know, that you're going through the ranks? And they took it back to the emerging leaders piece. It wasn't just the emerging leaders piece. Of course, these people were very gifted. They they worked hard, a whole range of things like that, right? But the one thing that they did say, all of them who, you know, who, who, who progressed through or went external and got, you know, higher jobs, is they said it gave them the belief that they had something to offer the organisation and yeah. kept them there, or they knew that this organization wasn't for them and they had to go and find in another organization what they what their leadership value was, if that makes sense. I think there's reminds me actually of in the UK when they train Royal Marines, they train the officers and they train the soldiers at the same camp. The officers have to go through a program which is two years long. The soldiers only go through something which is a year. And so what the soldiers get to see is how beasted and how annihilated the leadership has been. And and they also get to go, wow, I don't think I could have done another year of that. And so I think if you take that to a corporate context, having your emerging leader program be very visible. So one of the things mm -hmm. we did, we did an immersive day, and I think we can come on to the power of you know an immersive scenario, but we did it in their office. And I just noticed like we didn't make a big deal of it, and which I think in hindsight was a missed opportunity because 
if you made it very public that your leaders are going through this challenging program, in order to be a leader in this organization, you have to do X, Y, Z. If you demonstrate that that is what is expected of our young and emerging leaders at this organization, it's not that you just get promoted because you've been here 15 years, right? It's actually you're willing to go through this program, which is hard. You get feedback relentlessly for three months and you have to reflect on yourself and you have to have to take a good old look at your performance and you have to do this all at the same time as your normal job and expected to deliver in your job. All of that stuff is a very powerful message that you're communicating to your broader company. And I think in hindsight, we should literally like put people in like high vis jackets to kind of like highlight this is actually what the emerging leaders are going through. Whilst you're finding it hard to keep up with your day job, these guys are doing their day job and some in mm. in in view of trying to develop themselves to be a leader here at this organization. I think that that has a very powerful symbolic message potentially for a company. Yeah, mate, I, I agree. And it's funny, as you were thinking there, I was thinking about when I did my MBA. My MBA, you know, did it many years ago. It was not immersive. Like, yes, you know, you, you might have to deliver something with somebody that you don't know and all that type of stuff. But it was outside my organisations. I didn't actually tell anybody I was doing it because I didn't want work to have to pay for it in case I failed. And just so we're clear, I did fail a couple of subjects, but I went back and finished them. But <laughs> I think that's a big difference, right? And so let's have this conversation then about theory versus practice versus embedding in an organisation, what are your thoughts on what works well and what doesn't work well along those things from an emerging leaders program? I think a big part of it is people thinking, I've read a book, now I can go do it. And Mm -hmm. if we think about someone like, we talk a lot about a soccer player, a football player, their game might be 90 minutes one day a week, but they spend 40 hours a week training for that one moment. I think we've got it wrong essentially of how we think about training ourselves in corporates is probably the opposite we might even i don't even know anyone who would spend 90 minutes a week training and i think if we actually put the effort into practice and role play and immerse ourselves in the scenario in a safe space then that's really powerful i think it does a number of things we get reflection on how we went in our performance we also have the opportunity to swing out and try some different things because if you're practicing in a real difficult conversation performance managing someone then that's not the space you know the time that you want to do it you want to have gone okay that didn't work so well i want to try it i want to improve it so i think we really underestimate the value of practice and an immersive scenario gives you that opportunity to practice in that safe environment and it's before you actually need to go do it michael what are your thoughts yeah i think um from a framework perspective we I had the chance to chat to a guy called Ken Lynch, who runs the he's leads both the high performance team or high performance thinking behind the Australian sailing team. Mm-hmm. And his framework, which they uh, they think about, is they first of all, when it comes to selecting their athletes, they first of all identify just pure competence. Can they do something? Right? Can they race? As an example. Then they level it up. So can they race? Okay, they've assumed that kind of base level, they can race. Okay, cool. Then how do you race now under pressure? And then so they start to ramp it up, you know, maybe a time. They might be adding some timings in there and stuff like that. And then the kind of the highest level is how can they, how do they perform when it under pressure and also when it really matters? So that being the Olympic Games where you've got one race and 
you might be feeling a bit sick or the weather's not in your favor and you know there's higher winds than you're expecting okay so what how are you going to deliver and i think in a corporate context you need to have those three because you're not always in front of a customer or if you're working let's say you know engaging with a government for example negotiating a government contract that's a time where your performance absolutely matters you can't afford to be crap in those contexts and that environment but in a training program you also need to let people have the space to be crap mm. and like in the uk when you do a degree the first year typically is not factored into your actual degree and what i love about that design is not only it gave me permission to get really really drunk during the first year but it also allowed you to evaluate what how how university equates to school so it was all like you get like a free year to kind of play around and figure out oh crikey the standards improved or it hasn't or whatever and so i think in an emerging leader, what you really need to think about is how do you provide that safe space, as you mentioned, Felicity, and how do you give that freedom to actually make mistakes, you know, without consequence, without, you know, being reprimanded or without being noticed by everyone in the company. Mm. And that's where we found the immersive scenarios. The first one we do is like they come off site, they come and hang out with our people, our mentors, no association with the company or sorry, the company they've come from. And so it's completely neutral. You know, we've got no vested interest other than, you know, we don't. Whereas by the end of the program, we put them through actually, you know, in a, a scenario where they got their own team members sat on the other side of these role plays. And it's really interesting seeing how people respond to that. That pressure environment often is where, you know, old mentor of mine said, you know, it's when you're squeezed, mm -hmm. that's when you really learn about people. Mm -hmm. You know, do they squeal? When you squeeze them, or do they, you know, start lots of people blame a lot of really kind of like negative traits come out when people are under pressure. And so I think an, an effective program really needs to have probably a big chunk, I'd say 80% of that safety because it's, you can't learn if you're kind of worried or looking over your shoulder that if you're going to be vulnerable and share that you don't know that you're going to be reprimanded or kind of jumped on. But you also, you, as from a company perspective, as an executive team, you need to know if your people are going to perform under pressure and how mm. they respond and be ready for them to be tested in that context because otherwise, yeah, they can perform really well. We saw a lot of this. They perform great in the program. They're so coachable. They're wonderful to deal with. You stick them in a high-pressure environment, they turn into different people. Mm. And that's from a company context. I think you got to make – you want both. You really want both. I think it's when you're an emerging leader too, you don't have that – you might not have that awareness – about yourself because you haven't been in that environment or that situation before. So being able to to be there in that challenge time and reflect yourself, I think that's when the magic really does happen too because you're discovering that for yourself when someone, rather than someone telling you, oh, here's a gap, here's what you need to work on. So I think that's where people have their own aha moments and their own big insights because they're seeing and reflecting on that for themselves, which is even more powerful than someone telling them. So. Key takeaways so far, make sure you get the application process right. Whether And by that application process, I'm saying it's a combination of tapping people on the shoulder who you think have got the right skills, the right investment, the right drive, having the right application process, making sure that the way that you go through that is that, that catalyst, as you say, to spark an interest in someone. Second thing is once you're in there, make sure that it's a combination of, you know, in, uh, throughout everything, have a safe environment to get honest feedback, right? 
Second thing is make it immersive. And part of the reason that immersive is good is because you actually get to have that high-performance curve conversation where you're putting the right level of stress to actually see if somebody actually has the capability, capacity, et cetera, to perform when under that that right level of stress. And Felicity, the third thing I think that I picked up from you there is that reflective piece, right? The reflection has to be real-time. People have well, – you need, you need to make sure that the feedback you give is right – and, and supportive, et cetera, but also it needs to start the conversation for that emerging leader post, post and an ongoing basis, right? So let me ask this question then. Uh, Brian, I'm going to jump in there because I think one of the really important things around designing an emerging leader program is you actually need to take responsibility for the type of education people have been through previously as well. And that's a really unfortunate and annoying situation to be in because you don't necessarily know. But what we found is that that just talking about that safe space piece, often the most education people have been through has been either from school or university. Neither of their environments are particularly conducive to where feedback is welcomed. In fact, if you get a feedback, aka your mark on your maths paper, it's not usually a, a great experience when you get a B plus versus you were expecting an A. And often we equate feedback with negative and the traditional educational systems treat mistakes as something's wrong. Whereas to have a really effective emerging leader program, you actually got to tack, you got to take the other view is that mistakes are feedback and mistakes are your access. And I think that if there's anything, which is probably the most hardest thing to do, most hardest, not sure it's the best use of English, but it kind of it's very tricky because people when they when you even if you just give some feedback, we hear is people got smashed by the mm. feedback. You know, it's such a such a sunny, funny term. You know, oh you smashed me. And it's like, wow, no, we just told you that your communication came across a bit brash, you know? And I think it's trying to create a culture, and this comes back to the strategic piece. What type of culture do you have in your company? And how is feedback received? Or how, you know, do you have a company, do you have a culture where feedback is even given? Some I know I've been in organizations so scared to open my mouth because they'll just run to HR and you, you know, or it got and that I think often these days, millennials in particular, we're we're called a bit snowflakey because sometimes we don't know how to take feedback because even at school they avoid feedback now for fear of, you know lack of you know, impacting someone's confidence so i think the key thing there is feedback is the route to development and i don't know any leader to actually to be a leader you've got to get really comfortable because people will give you feedback solicited and unsolicited if we, and, if we put that if we put that context into a sporting environment or a sporting analogy it's exactly the same thing right so what you do is let's say you want to run a marathon you'll go and get a lactate test You'll get, you'll get a lactate test and it'll tell you how much oxygen you're actually being able to get in and how quickly that's getting into the blood and into the muscles, blah, 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 blah. So what you do is you're actually taking that feedback, using it as data to say, well, actually, to progress and to get a better performance, this is what you need to do, which is exactly what you're saying, Michael, right? Use the data which you're getting in real time in the Emerging Leaders Program, take that data to help somebody make a more informed decision about how their performance can change for the positive, right? That's right. And I think the way you said it makes it sound really straightforward. Oh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> and that, and that's, that's the challenge. And that's why I kind of 
the heads up to people who are going to be doing, if you're going to be running an emerging leader program, you just need to be mindful is that most people don't see don't see feedback the way you just described it. Yeah, yeah. They actually see it. It can be really impactful. So you have to really set the parameters. And this kind of comes back to one of the things we wanted to touch on is the power of community. And and where we've run programs this year, where we focus too much on, right, cool, you're in the room, let's get into it, let's roll. Like when you start, if you're, you know, if you get a new a new leadership role or any role, it really pays to get to know your team first before you start, de- you know, delving out the work. And we had to kind of learn that lesson in the hard way this year in that we didn't focus enough on community building prior. And that's a massive, massive, massive part that if it's, it can often get overlooked, especially when you've got, you know, you've got a 12 week program, you've got the parameters, you want to get all this content in, you've got speakers coming in, you've got tests here to take a step back. Actually, the number one thing you should be thinking about is actually community. How can you get this, this group to gel and to bond and to like each other and get to know each other? How can you do that? And then you'll find that the feedback and the challenge and whatever you've got will fall, often be more receptive to that because you've established that there's something yeah. yeah it's it's not just a right in the room let's go you know kind of um let's smash through it so i uh, yeah, that's been a massive learning for me like one yeah less about content just really focus on community actually and if we talk about community so you know an emerging leaders program is only going to be as good as the people are involved you know the content a whole range of other things that you've just spoken about michael right but an emerging leaders program generally needs to have mentors or somebody who's going to come and say, this is how you know we think you're going. Tell us, based on what you've seen, what works well in respect of a mentor or a coach in the emerging leaders program? What are the attributes, the characteristics that you would think would be well-received and help make the program successful versus those that may not? I think it's helpful to have a range of mentors, not just one. So when we do our first immersive day, we bring in our own mentors. And these are people who have led companies, been on boards, senior people. And the participants get to meet a variety of mentors on the day and they get live feedback and they can then iterate and implement that straight away. And I think we encourage people to think about is it's kind of like a jacket where you might go shopping for a jacket. You go, oh, that one looks good. I tried on. Oh, I tested that out didn't quite fit right I'm going to put that back on the shelf and so this day because you're getting the continuous feedback and continual role plays you get to try stuff out see if it's a fit and like you said earlier Michael the people that are the mentors they're not vested in whether this person has a certain career path or not because they've never met them before and I think that fresh perspective can be really great especially if people are doing things well and they're getting that feedback and it also encourages participants to try it on and think about it for themselves not just blindly accept the feedback as well so that's important having a range and external and then I think an internal mentor can be really powerful to support and nurture that person through the program help them navigate the organization and also be that sounding board so a recent program we ran we partnered really deeply with the organization and they had internal mentors and they managed that part of the program and it we actually had feedback from them saying it was helpful because they had something to talk about each week. So they were going through the program, they were talking about different skills, they were reading the annual report, they were actually asking thoughtful questions to the point where they said, oh, thanks so much for training them in those thoughtful questions. And we said, oh, that wasn't part of it, but they were just thinking now about the financial so much, the annual report, they were going to that mentor and engaging it. 
with them. So that was the different, I guess, purposes of of mentoring. And I think having that internal one can be that support and that visibility piece too. Yeah, I, I think I'd add there is also mentor can be such a um, like an elaborate term, I think sometimes, right? I meant I'm a mentor. And it can be quite unnerving because people can be like, well, I don't really feel like I'm, I can mentor someone around leadership. You know, what do I know about being a leader and and who would I be to to mentor someone else? So I think um, mentoring really at its core done well is about holding a space for someone and providing a space to make mistakes or for someone to practice. Right. And I think if you, look, you touch on sporting analogies. If you come back to imagine you go to a soccer training and, you know, it's all oh, you've got cones on the floor, you've got a goalie in the in the goal. And I'm talking about, yes, soccer as in the, the British, the British football here. Someone argued the only football, but we won't get into that. The the point being is when, you know, you run through the, the person's running through the cones and the mentors in the goal and the person's going to kick the ball to the best of their ability. But because it's a training environment, if the ball goes wide. You want a mentor who's not going to heckle and go, well, you know, it's going to provide an opportunity for reflection. And there's a, it's a low stakes environment. You're not actually playing a soccer match. There's no, there's no. So, and really it's about the mentor, you know, played the role of the goalkeeper or played the role of an executive or whatever it might be. But really it, the the learnings came from the person giving, having a chance to kick the ball at the goal or have a conversation and have a go at it and the lesson pretty much is you don't sometimes you don't even need to provide any feedback because the in the in the football context you can see where the ball went and that happens a lot and the mentor i think sometimes too much it feels like they have to now be able to pick it apart nurture it and do this stuff where actually as soon as you kick the ball you can go okay well it went right i want it to go left and i'll just try and kicking it a different way and and it's actually a mentor is literally just that sometimes where yeah. it can be a very passive role. Yeah. So that, you know, you spoke there about the scenario-based training, in effect, you know, in a real-life environment, supported by a mentor. Let me ask this question almost like as a fine one before we wrap up. So you're going to get all these insights as part of an Emerging Leaders Program. How do you take those insights and make them become tangible change? Well, that's a great question. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what we've seen work well is that there's ownership of that training and development because, as we said, it's not just you do a program and the program ends and that's it. Uh, I think the person who's in the program needs to be responsible for their own training and development. And, look, people might do this program or do an emergent leader program and go, look, I don't want to be a leader. And that's cool, like, great, like, be open about that, share that, and then your organisation can help you with where you want to go. But I think you need to own the learnings yourself and then work with, we actually saw one organisation hand it over to their manager and have a conversation for here's what's next in their development, sat down with HR, the, the manager and the participant. And I really loved how they were, you know, delegating that responsibility or was there was that ownership as well for the manager so i think it's got to be driven by the by the emerging leader have some ownership for the manager and i think ultimately it's up you know it's up to that person where they want to take their career yeah and i think um tangible outcomes actually if you think about seven habits of highly successful people you got to start with the end in mind right mm. so before you start the program you really need to be thinking, what does a leader at X organization look like? 
Brett, if you think about your organization, you know, trying to define what a leader in your context looks like. You know, for example, if, if you're a building firm, that's going to look very different to if you're an investment firm. You know, building firm, you might really need people who are very strong and kind of, and I mean, are strong from a, like a, a communication can be quite brutal sometimes in negotiation. Whereas if you're in local government, you, that's the antithesis of what of what a leader is going to look like in your organization, especially if they're kind of public facing or so and so. So starting with the end in mind, defining what does a leader look like in this organization and then using your emerging leader to be con- like a conduit of that. So it has to align with that. We, we are going to be focusing in this program on X, Y, and Z. It might be your core values of your organization. It might be core attributes or kind of skills that you're trying to develop. And I think if you get that right in the program, the the big thing really in terms of like tangible change, you mustn't just have a program and it become this thing. That's ultimately the biggest takeaway from us. Mm. And this is from a company who so we sell programs, right? That's what we hold. And I think we ha- we're starting to change how we talk about it because we're we're kind of like help. Sorry, we're causing the issue or contributing to the maybe not causing, but certainly contributing to the way companies think about this. As it's a box to tick, it's it's a it's a one off, and then we'll get back to it next year when we do it again. That is probably the biggest way to not produce tangible change because it doesn't set the right expectation. It sets the expectation that after twelve weeks or six months or twelve months, whatever it is, you're going to be a leader. That is completely nonsense. And actually, the biggest risk is that you you think you've arrived somewhere. And getting back to what is a leader, well, arguably, it's a set of behavioral traits, right? And behavioral traits, which show up time and time again, no different to being a professional soccer player, is that being a professional soccer player is one when you kick the ball, you more reliably kick it in the goal than if you don't. And it's exactly what a professional leader needs to be, someone who can have a communication or when they do something, they more consistently than an unprofessional person can produce the result they were trying to achieve. And I think having that mentality, you don't see sporting teams just do training for three months and then go, great, you're a professional soccer player now. Congratulations. Let's play on. It's it's completely that that's the biggest one when it comes to tangible change, in my view. Yeah. And I think for an emerging leader, some people do have that expectation. I've been selected for this program, therefore I must be a leader. But actually, some people who've been selected in programs are looking to see, is this person ready to lead? And then they, oh, I've done the program, just like you said, Michael, I've done the soccer training. Okay, now I'm ready. No, actually, it's going to take more development. And we've been really impressed by the organisations we're working with mm-hmm. where they're actually saying, that's okay. It's okay that you need more development from here. And we're wanting to support you. What specifically do you need? How can we plan for that? And I really admire organizations we've worked with that they're so willing to invest with people on that journey and continue it beyond the program. And I think that, like you said, Michael, comes back to that culture of training and developing people. And just if I could jump in that really exciting thing for me around that is imagine your colleague gets called into this emerging leader program and you see Sally, let's call her, you know, go through this program. She comes back and shares with your team, oh man, I've done this thing and blah, 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 blah. And I learned this, I learned that. And she's starting to be really self-reflective and starting to talk about, you know, what she's learning. And it turns out she's really crap at X, Y, Z. And she's starting to be open about some of her deficiencies. And, and you know, you as a colleague, you're not even on the program, but you're starting to go, crikey, man. Like, well, get in the program. I thought Sally's pretty good. And, you know, actually, maybe maybe I'm not always great in, in all these areas. And, you know, that is tangible cultural change in a company. It's having and using, it's a very dispersed 
way. It's you know, it's it's, it's a very leveraged tool when emerging leader program done well is because you basically have these lower down people in your organization who are out there actually changing the culture, conversation by conversation, demonstrating leadership capabilities or leadership traits of openness, reflectiveness, proactivity, thinking about more broader stakeholders than just the, their own job in their one little core function. So regardless of whether they end up being a leader at the end of it, I feel like that, the tangible change part done well, it's it's really about looking at culture. So let me play back, I think, the final point, and then Felicity, I'll, I'll hand back to you. We spoke early on about an emerging leaders program is a catalyst, right? What I've heard over the conversation is an emerging leaders program is a catalyst for helping an organisation and an individual meet in the middle about a conversation and developmental journey around leadership. Love it. That is not what I first comes to mind for an emerging leader program. You've nailed it there, Brett, in summarising. And it's really opened our eyes to what it actually takes to run an emerging leader program. And we're really excited to be embedding these insights into the next versions of what we're doing and continuing to create this cultural change. So thanks, Brett, for helping us dive into, unpack, create the retrospective, as you so wonderfully put it, at the beginning of this podcast. We're excited to get in, get in the trenches and work with our next cohorts of emerging leaders. Thanks so much, Brett. And thank you, Michael, for being our extra special guest today. Until next time.